Hello and welcome back to Workplace Matters with me, Ian Ellison, and this second part of my extended conversation with Mark Catchlove from Herman Miller. If you haven't listened to the first part yet, go back to episode three and catch up. So just to recap, in this first Workplace Matters deep dive into a seminal workplace knowledge piece, we are discussing Robert Probst and his book from 1968, The Office, A Facility Based on Change. Now, some of you may have heard Probst's name associated with the infamous, even notorious office cubicle. Parodied for decades in comic strips like Dilbert, one really quite sad theme behind the prop story is how money, and dare I say it, how that commercial, commoditized, even capitalist mindset perverts and corrupts good workplace practice. In this case, leading to decades of workplace woe for thousands upon thousands of organisational employees. But Probes didn't invent the office cubicle. There's a really revealing interview with him by Yvonne Abraham from Metropolis magazine back in 1998, shortly before his death, where he considers his so-called legacy. Tweet me at Ian Ellison if you can't find it and I'll see what I can do. So we pick up the conversation as Mark and I get going with section three of our discussion. Probst's proposed solution, Action Office 2, crucially with both design and behavioural or cultural elements. Stay tuned for the outro to hear who we have coming up on the podcast next week. It's a very special one to coincide with the publication of the Stoddart Review. I'll also feature that quote about the gorilla, And as a super special treat, close out with the full-length disco version of our marvellous theme tune, courtesy of Handspan. It's a story for another day, but Probst is even right there in the music. But for now, enjoy. That whole first half of the book, those first 30 pages, the only thing that I don't... The only thing which is of modern consequence, which I don't think Probst mentions, is plants, is biophilia yes, by yes, its current right. trendy name. Yeah. Everything else is there. is there in some way, shape or form to yeah. set the stage you for... You me now, I'm going to go look through to see if I can see <laughs> any biophilia <laughs> in there anywhere at a later stage, but just in case. <laughs> well, I was on the lookout for it yesterday and I, and I did, well, maybe, yeah, prove, right. prove me wrong. Or maybe there's, you know, there's, a, there's another piece from the, from the Herman Miller archives that or says... Or the caveman bit, a bit is, is, is a little bit oh, near there. Stretch, stretch. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, you know, so, so the prescience of... And, 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 you know, Nikhil Saval talks in, in, in this kind of way. He uses these words, he calls it lucid and droll. And by droll, he means kind of dry and absolutely pointedly on the money. This lucid, droll take on a world of work, which is, to a greater or lesser extent, super relevant now. And maybe more relevant now mm. when you start talking about the technological piece as, as an enabler. But the core of it being incredibly humanistic, incredibly people-focused around these dichotomies of organisation, individual, and all those kinds of challenges. And, it, and it's there. Probst is driven to do something about it. And I think w- what he's done in that first section is actually meet the hearts and minds of leaders yeah. and followers. Interesting. I think in, in so much as that can appeal to you, whether you are the person working at a desk or whether you're a person coming up with the ideas, yeah. that actually it meets across the spectrum, yeah. whether that's hierarchical or, or whatever type of job, you've got something in there that's going to meet your... That's really opinion. interesting. So it's a good idea if you're a leader to read this. Yeah. It's a good idea if you're a designer to read this, if you're a thinker 
or if you're just a worker, it's pretty inspiring. That is indeed, indeed. So where does he go then? His design solution, three new rules, forgiving principle, grace with change, and online planning and expression. Now, I think what's interesting here is actually these are classic examples of how our modern interpretations are slightly different to his. Absolutely. But forgiving principle, it's that idea of always in beta. Yes. Rather than commissioning a solution and working on it assiduously and coming up with the solution for an organization it's it's almost shedding that approach yes. which is quite challenging with the way we work and the way we commission workplace projects because in fact this is this is one of the things of course that you then see that he never he never ah. invented the cubicle of course yeah. because once you've designed the cubicle that's it so in fact there's this whole idea of the forgiving principle the fact that actually if you haven't quite got it right you can move it and change it yeah. once you put that into cubicles that forgiving principle has, has gone but i i like the idea that it's a it always in beta mode because it is about why isn't it working and one of the things i see with workplace strategies because we're in the world of change is so quick yeah. that actually that strategy was based on a on a point in time six months ago yeah and if you're lucky. If, if you're lucky. Before, yeah. yeah. And then you move in and the change is just so different. So whilst whilst it would have been perfect if you'd have moved in six months ago, yeah. today the needs are slightly different. So it is a forgiving principle and it and that we're seeing that a lot more. See, I, well, I, I really like that. And it makes me sad that it's almost got so lost because another thing that's wrapped up in this is he fully intended for the workers to adjust their own flexible Furniture, and that's what he meant by online planning and ah, expression. Of right. course, okay. because when you know that that term, when people read that, we think of online yep. being technology. Yep. Well, this is not about online. Ah, this is being in on, service, in service, right. on hand. Right. This is recognising the autonomy needs of autonomy. So, in the office, this means that control of planning and response must be placed more directly in the hands of the user. Wow. Okay, that's exactly what I wanted to say. It's there, I just hadn't spotted yeah, where it was. So, so it's there, as right. that's what he means by online planning, whilst today we think of online planning as being going on the internet. And so, so to him then, this sort of uh, tweaking and adjusting, this, this might be the height of things. Yep. Um, it might be how your workplace is set out. But what he's basically saying is, look, it's your workplace. Yes. Use it intelligently responsibly as a great worker to do better work and that gets me thinking about you know where where if you i want to adjust anything or request anything i have to put a call into a help desk i have a service level attached to it i'm probably going to be told that that's too much of an individual change we can't possibly do that for you um i'm being very cynical but i've been on the other side of the fence i've been the person saying i'm sorry you can't have an angle pies lamp it's just not what we do around yeah. here. I'm sorry, you can't have a fan. I know you're cold but or hot or whatever. Yeah. You can't, well, because we've got to be responsible for the collective. And, and Props is saying you should be designing for the individual. You should be finding ways for the individual to tweak and adjust to suit their needs. And it's interesting that actually... So a good example, I think, of where this has been adopted is, is Neil Usher's project at Sky Central, that actually what they have is given people the online planning expression in their given departments, their right. spaces, and saying, okay, now how do you want to use it? Yes. Which I think is an interesting way because if you've got 3,000 people, having 3,000 choices is a real challenge. But yes. actually if you give people 
tribal choice. Tribal almost. choice. That's yeah. what that's what you're giving. Okay. And then this whole idea of forgiving principle that it, okay, because they might not get it right, so you can change it. And then yeah. the bit I love, the grace with change mm-hmm. is actually it's it's not only to change, but change with ease. The opposite to grace is punishment. Right. Okay. Okay. So there is no punishment. So you can change. There's no penalty. There's no, uh, you know, there's no okay. minimal time, minimal cost. So you're not being punished for changing. There's, there's, a, there's a really ethical undercurrent of tolerance yeah. in this, yes. isn't there? Which is interesting because it, his character sounds, you know, you, there's, there's a bit in Saval's book, which is, you know, if you, were, if you got on the wrong side of Probst, if you weren't aligned to his kind of, and, and, and my words, wrong side of Probst, but, you know, so driven to do stuff better. Everybody should be passionately on board as well, because I, the world do, needs improving. I do wonder the influence that Dupree had over him, though, ah, and okay. in in writing this, knowing his his paymaster, okay, was Dupree oh, very very devout. Um, I mean, one of my favourite quotes from Dupree is the one that he says in the you know in the long run, businesses and business leaders uh, will not be judged on their products or their profits, but on their impact on humanity. That's interesting. And That's so I, really wonder, interesting. I wonder if that is what a lot of this is. I'm not saying he wouldn't have thought of it, but actually it's with that in mind. Yeah, a cultural, some, a cultural effect, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He's aware of his audience. Yeah. That's really interesting. But yeah, and that whole idea of this online planning expression, this, this whole idea of autonom- autonomy and allowing people to be themselves. And again, when you go back to looking at that... Yeah. Cubicle's not the answer for that. No, well, we haven't got to cubicle no, yet, but because this is the, this is about what happened. Yeah. But, I mean, let's let, let that's, that's a really interesting conversation, and and you know why this is relevant fifty years later, and why what happened in between times. Because yes. in some respects, you might argue that we're only starting to see the light now. Let's quickly skip through the, um, and I don't mean skip as as a sort of devalue it, but. You know, his design solutions are, were based around you know, almost philosophy. So, what's 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 quite interesting isn't necessarily just the solution; it's the the why, what was underneath it, the right to be different. Well, this is the bit about um, this is about the gorilla, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it's yeah. actually providing space. So, um, yeah, the, the last last sentence on this page: the premise: you can't produce an office until the user makes a case for himself. The planners must gain this key reference point. But it's still of commercial interest to the employer because he does talk about it. It's about gaining better productivity and effectiveness because you're then you're getting the right yeah, tools for yeah, the job. Yeah. So whilst, whilst this sound, might sound like hairy-fairy, let's everyone be themselves, yeah. it actually, there is a commercial benefit to doing that because people are much more productive. And, of course, this is in a section where he's almost helping the people responsible for designing new workplaces. Yes. He's saying, these are the, some of the things you need to think yeah. about. You need to, um, and this takes me back to a Bruce Mao quote, which is, you know, studio derives from study. You can't design any solution until you genuinely understand what's yeah. going on and the needs and all of that stuff. So he's, he's almost giving um, reference points and this, interestingly, some of the photographs at this point, they look very much like the Quickborner approach to how to design Bureau-Landschaft spaces. Some people understand Bureau-Landschaft as these incredibly busy-looking, sprawling, open-plan seas of furniture, and it's none of it's rectilinear. It's all on funny angles and almost sort of hexagonal rather than um, rectilinear in its layout. But the point was... 
and, and, and I think Neil's worked on this with Sky Central, you have to create a human scale to feel like in such a massive open plan area, which is what Bureau Landschaft was all about, it still has to feel individually relevant. It has to feel like a little village rather than a huge city. So I'm going to go back to something we looked at earlier. Yeah. We talked about office conflicts, and there's a, there's a quote in there which I think we are addressing today just right. in a very different way okay. than, than Prope's solution yeah. with, with, uh, with Action Office. He talks about the reconciliation of privacy requires a new language of enclosure and access, which yeah. is what you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. It demands that we preserve for good reason the private place with suitable surroundings with much more eloquent design of free access to each other. Now, that doesn't mean an enclosed office. And, of course, you're seeing that achieved now yeah. by havens, hives, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, high-back sofas, those kind of areas, yeah. which kind of... Uh, and booze, yes. which kind of say, don't interrupt me, but yes. they're not, yes. they've not got doors on. Yes. See, I, I, I find these the, the images are fascinating because you see these lovely little scale mock-ups, beautifully intricate scale mock-ups, and you see them with Probst works, and you see them with the with the Schnell Brothers works. Um, there's some lovely historic photos out there where what they're doing is they're sort of looking down a camera lens and going, if I was stood here, what could I see? Yeah. Because if I can see more than my village... If I can see too far into the distance, then something's wrong. And it, this takes me back to um, the, you know, the telecoms firm that I used to work for. They actually called their spaces communities. You know, we're talking about a call centre environment here, yeah. which some will slam as incredibly oppressive places to work. But a community linked to the number of people there, because there's a number, and I forget the name of the number, but beyond that number, yes. yeah. you're not a community anymore. No. Um, and actually that being a very human-scaled space within which to go about your work and have an identity and have a tribe within. And certainly in, in, I, I've, not, I've not seen Sky Central yet. I'm hoping to go very, very mm. soon. But that seems to be one of the things that, that Neil was thinking about, that human scale with his team. With 3,000 people. Well, that's a real go. challenge, and yeah, that's yeah. that's you know to to get that that human scale. But that modelling and pre gaming was something he talked about a lot, which of course we now do a lot via technology. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. So you talked about enclosure and access, and and Probst is playing around with what is the right. You know, we talk about this hundred and twenty degree angle. Mm. So Probst is kind of going. You know, what is in terms of enclosure and access? Too much enclosure too much access there's actually a happy medium yes. and, and and he finds that it, he, he expresses that in terms of screen position and angle and this actually starts to lead us towards sort of what went wrong because Probst was all about I think it was a bit predominantly it was designed around 120 degrees wasn't yeah. it yes it was so partitions should not be at right angles yeah he then, as well as that kind of horizontal design, starts thinking vertically yes. and saying, you know, we've got proto sit-stand stuff here. You know, you should be moving about. And this actually takes us back to, I think there's two reasons it's called Action Office. You might spot more, Mark, or you might correct me. But it's action in terms of physical action, yes. which, we, we, which we identified at the outset, movement, health, vitality, anti-sedentary work. Yes. yeah. Okay, and, and, and you know, feeling more physically alive. But also it's action in terms of intent. It's all of the ways that an office can afford you 
more productivity, feeling like you're doing a better yeah, job. The whole sense of achievement. The whole thing. sense yeah, of achievement absolutely. piece. So, you know, these two different takes on action. Um, and so he's sort of thinking about this horizontally. He's thinking about this vertically. But this really brings us now to... So Action Office launched and we can sort of almost talk about... It, it becomes slightly sort of sadly capitalist, doesn't it? Yes, and and commercialised. Right. That's a good... That's a good- Terminology well, for it, yeah. so so, what happened next then? Where did it go? In, 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 you know, in your words, what? Yeah, what, what I would say I think what what happened was inevitably. Uh, if you if you think about it, this this you were suddenly buying stuff more yeah. around a desk. So yeah. it wasn't a desk. There was a desk, a screen. So it started to become expensive. You know, right. relatively. Yeah. And therefore, what you start to see, procurement guys start to look at it, accountants start to look at it, and the solution becomes actually, yeah. Thanks, Mr. Probst. That's a lovely idea. But if we do it at right angles, we can get 18 in that office instead of 15. Yeah, that's that's that's. And so I think that's it's it's the rule of economics. I have to say, also coming back to your point about facility managers, it becomes so much easier if every cubicle is the same and every layout is the same because yeah. standardization is yeah. a facility manager's friend, uh, and it's 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 just so much easier. And I think that's that's where it went. Um, and I think that's kind of what we accepted for a long, long time. And I don't think, I think the first half of this book started to get forgotten. So, the, I mean, the long story short is in a really, really sad way, Probst has been called the father of the Cuban. Yes. To somebody who only understands part of the story... It's like, here's this man that came up with a modular furniture solution, which has forever condemned us to yeah. to hell in a very American way. And we know that a lot yeah. of American workspaces are still very, maybe more cubicle-driven than, 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 than certainly the UK. But, you know, here's props saying in interview, this is from Metropolis magazine back, I think, in 1998. The dark side of this is that not all organisations are intelligent and progressive. So he's talking 30 years after... Um, mm. after he wrote this book. Uh, lots are run by crass people who can take the same kind of equipment and create hell holes. They make little bitty cubicles and stuff people in them, barren, rat-hole places. And what's Strong words. It is, and it is. And in, interesting, the same applies. Remember we talked about leadership being key to change management. Yeah. Leadership was key to bad management in that, in that world, that it actually it was led from above. That certainly wouldn't, wouldn't have been the choice um, from below that is that is fascinating so an interesting question is were i mean and i don't know whether you know the answer to this but were herman miller as pushed as the competitors to increasingly commoditize and commercialize or whatever the right phrase is did their 120 degree angle shrink to 90 because of client demand yes yeah and in fact it's 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 one of those things that um, I'd love to say we were strong enough to say, no, that's not how Mr. Probst... Uh, but there's commercial realities yeah. in that, you know, we've got... You, factor, only, factor you only win this commission yeah. if... And that is the way, so you were responding to bids and layouts and designs and, yeah. th- and that kind of thing. I think the other thing to bear in mind about screens in America yeah. is that they don't have raised floors. So when you move on and eventually to something like Ethos Space, yeah. which was the you know the follow up to Action Office, which right. a lot of that was to carry the cables, and that's still uh, a challenge today. So right? all the cable routing, yeah. Yes. So so yeah. a lot of the technology is going through those screens. So it it has a double purpose. And in that's fact, when you look at 
some of the, the American office systems today, yeah. whilst they're not cubicles, they still have screens, low screens. That purpose is not to divide space, it's to carry as conduits. And, so that's one of the differences, the kind of uh, physical differences between the UK. And, Which is why context is important. Yeah. You know, it's that bit about, is it, yeah. is it, can we directly compare? We've always got to be mindful yes. of certain so things. That and, that. and also, the other thing is the cost of space. Mm-hmm. In America, in some areas where, where, where there's still a lot of cellular offices, yeah. it doesn't cost as much no. as, as here. There's more of it, right? More of it, absolutely. <laughs> there's, lot, there's lots of it, absolutely, yeah. One thing I just wanted to say, actually, is that one of the things that eventually the way that cubicles became to use, it, it was quite the opposite. It stopped all the conference yes. and the conversations yeah. and the talks yeah. that Probst believed was important and i just wanted to read if i could yeah he talked about this he said face-to-face involvement is the premier communication tool yeah unmatched for subtlety and efficiency but also a present wasteland of mysterious inhibitions and limitation it requires revisualization if ever there's a sentence as relevant today as it was then yeah absolutely then and, and i think what that is not met by cubicles, and that's even you know that whole idea that actually it is about communication. And, but he also goes on, I think, interestingly, to talk about something that we're talking a lot about when he talks about conference meetings generally, yeah. and the impact of spaces on meetings and proxemics, yeah. and yeah. the kind of impact of space on meetings. I yeah. thought that was quite interesting. That we are talking more and more. You know, we're seeing smaller meeting rooms, much more tailored meeting rooms, yeah. open, closed, yeah. Yeah. impromptu, bookable. Yeah. And he was talking about the importance of meeting and conference spaces. Indeed. There. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever see the word conference the same. <laughs> it's, it's interesting when yeah. you take a word and rethink it. And yeah. Go, oh, yeah, you think you know, it's a completely different angle to it. So a couple of things just to really quickly touch on. You know, he, he addresses paper. He addresses noise. Yeah, I think it's safe to say in the same way that individuality and expression is key to probes, the use of paper efficiently rather than eradicating, mm-hmm. eradicating yes. paper is key to probes. And he's talking about how, you know, there's a deluge of the stuff then. Yeah. There's still a deluge of it now. But again, it's not a move in a clear desk direction. He's addressing the challenges of noise. He's actually talking about um technology solutions masking solutions to help with noise in open spaces but i think as as a kind of keystone for me to sort of encapsulate what's going on with all of this is you know if you find yourself and we so often do sidelined into debates about open and closed particularly open plan into debates about hot desking solutions well that's what we're really talking about isn't it the sad thing for me mark is there is so much humane richness in doing this stuff properly, past and present, that when you get into those debates, it's heartbreaking because you can't then get to the really good stuff for an organisation. And I'm sure Herman Miller feels that, in in the same sense that anybody who is talking about um, workplace furniture... You, if, if you end up reduced to a discussion about open or closed and those sorts of things that come with all of that, um, it it limits the potential of the whole conversation. And I think you're right, it is... We get prejudices by reading some of those articles. And actually, I met someone this week who said this, that actually we feel what we think. Yeah. And that whole idea that suddenly we think it's going to be bad, so it is going to be bad. Yes. And actually, yeah. we therefore look at the bad in things. And, and I can tell you there are plenty of badly designed open plans. 
yes, space. without question. And, yeah. that, and that's the challenge for me. It's well-designed spaces, yeah. whether that's open, closed, private, impromptu, you know, yeah, yeah. collaborative. It's just well-designed spaces. And I think that is, that's an important part of it as well. So are there any bits? I've got one question I definitely want to ask you in terms of what was there then and where we are now. And I've almost in my mind, I've got this. If Probst achieved in 1968 a vision and Herman Miller embarked on providing that vision to new workplaces for organisations or for organisations through new workplaces, and then it sort of nosedived. I don't know what the shape of the curve is, it doesn't really matter, but the cubicle thing took over and and, and we ended up in an in a incredibly sad place mm-hmm. from the original vision. If we were going to sort of plot where we are now and where we're going... Are we on our way back to a 68 mindset? Have we exceeded a 68 mindset? What's going on now and in the future? I would would just say it's different in different uh, organisations, different companies. I would say we're in the right direction. Beyond having talked about this, I don't want us to get desperate and despairing and thinking, oh dear, you know, this is, it is happening. I can name a few. Mm-hmm. but I should be able to name many. Mm-hmm. It sh- we shouldn't almost be having this conversation. Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. it yeah. in, in that it, sh- it shouldn't. One of the things I think we also have to go very careful about is that we often identify bad places, but we don't acknowledge good places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of our, one of our uh, sadly no longer with us, designers, Bill Stumpf, who designed the Aeron chair, he always used to talk about the absence of awareness. In that he talked about, you know, when you've got a bad pair of trainers, right. you don't know when you've got a good pair of trainers. Really interesting. Yeah. And I think that is one of the things that we, we mustn't get too head up that actually it's doom and gloom out there. Sure. There are some great places, but the reason you don't hear about them is because they're working. Yeah. And I yeah. think that the complaints you hear about open plan spaces because they're not working because they've not. It's human nature to default to bad news, right? Yes, it is. And yeah. there's a link there. Yeah. It's, uh, and maybe that's about thinking and feeling and that thing that you said a few minutes ago. Um, I've witnessed, um, and it's remarkable how academics tend to do this, you know, for all of their incredible kind of big thinking in their particular field of expertise. You mentioned workplaces. And remember, this is a world where, you know, cellular offices still kind of dominate for whatever reasons. Um, And what tends to happen is a visceral memory-based regression to, it might not have even been an experience of the person, but somebody they knew, often in an awful public sector solution, utterly constrained by cost, for none of the right reasons, in a probed kind of way. Um, And that's where their mind is. And they are experiencing it viscerally, almost on behalf of the horror where do you go from there? No, I think it's a challenge in that understanding people will be a forever long science because, and that's the challenge. What's important to you yeah. about proximity to the kitchen? Yeah. Because you love, you know, you drink 10 cups of tea a day. I don't know. It's that kind of thing as opposed to... I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that matters. That yeah. matters to people. It doesn't matter in the cold light of day when you're doing an analysis of the space, but it matters to that human. And going back to that human individual, you will never, ever get it. Right, but it's got to be better than it has been. Okay, well, what a perfect place to draw this one to a close. Is there anything that you want to? Is there anything we've missed? Is there anything? No, that you... I think that's been an excellent chat. Yeah, oh, I've really enjoyed it. Re- I super enjoyed it. Fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. Is there anything um, from a Herman Miller perspective that you want to, um, to nudge people towards? Where can they find out more information about your knowledge events and stuff like okay, that? Okay, so if you go to www.hminsightgroup.com, 
dot com. That's yeah. eight M Insight Group dot com. All one word. All one word. Yeah. And uh, you'll find a little about my knowledge and insight team, and there you can get a click to some of our events where we're sharing some of our research. And you've and uh, and I look forward to sharing the stage with you again at a future event. Yeah, where we, we are, can talk about this subject again. In December, we are up north over in Salford, BBC yep. Media City. We are talking about you're talking about Probst. Yep. it's our it's our it's our roadshow, isn't it? Yep. You're talking about Probst, and I'm talking about some of my current research and and starting to sort of draw parallels between the the old and the modern, and you know, where does that leave us for the future? Quite aspirational. It's quite mm. an aspirational message, it isn't is, it? Yeah, and then we are doing the same. I believe at the BIFM in Edinburgh. Scottish conference yep. in February, yes. which Herman Miller is sponsoring. Yes. So those are two things that are definitely happening. Um, uh, on Twitter, you are at Mark Catchlow. Mark Catchlow, so that's easy enough. Yep. And all you know, roads through you lead to Herman Miller Insights yeah, there. Absolutely. Okay, so that's all good. Great. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks for your time. Wow, there you go, a proper workplace geek out. I hope you enjoyed it as much as Mark and I did having the discussion. And more importantly, we hope it's helped you be that bit more informed and critical about any future workplace decisions you might be involved in. There are lots of things to think about for sure, but the basic human fundamentals stay the same as we seek to balance individual and business needs with equal importance. As Mark says, wisdom from the past can be both an anchor and a sail. And when it comes to workplace, we can use Probst as a sale for sure. Now, I promised to reference the gorilla bit from the 1998 Metropolis magazine interview. It's all about freedom, choice, and as Probst puts it, individuation. Here it is. We tried to escape the idea of being stylish, which is gone in five years. We wanted this to be the vehicle to carry other expressions of identity. That's why we provided tack boards and all kinds of display surfaces. When a member of the Herman Miller sales staff brought a plastic gorilla to this workspace, even the enlightened furniture company's management looked at him askance. But Probst insisted that this was exactly the kind of thing he had intended. Next week, I'm in conversation with the wonderful Polly Plunkett, programme director and driving force behind the Stoddart Review. This is a woman who is both lovely and utterly, utterly determined in equal measures. If you aren't aware of this groundbreaking collaborative workplace initiative, go to stoddartreview.com to learn more as quick as you can and make a note to buy the Sunday Times on the 11th of December for a broadsheet version of the review. I am tremendously proud to say the next episode of Workplace Matters will, in essence, be the director's commentary alongside the Stoddart Review itself. Don't miss it. Okay, that's it for this week. Please click subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a review too. Get in touch with feedback and suggestions. Everything really does help. Tweet us at WPM Podcast, me directly at Ian Ellison, or get in touch through threeedges.co.uk. The Workplace Matters theme tune was masterfully written, performed and produced by Handspan. Find out more at handspanmusic.com and just for you this week, here's the full-length disco mix of the tune complete with Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds-esque synths and even a prog rock synth solo in there for good measure. We love it at Three Edges, my daughter loves it and we hope you do too. Cheers.
One hour, 40 minutes. Wow. You've got time to just got time to get to your meeting. <laughs>